Hey everybody, welcome to episode 12 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina with a special focus on the SEG Tour. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, and with me as always is SCG mainstay and GPDC finalist Collins Mullen. How's it going, Collins? Pretty good. Good to be back. Episode 12. Yeah, we kind of put this episode off for a day or two to give us some time to actually play with the set instead of continuing to give our predictions for what was going to happen. Right. Now now we've got a couple of days under our belt of playing some Mixalon Limited and Standard a little bit. So yeah, we should, we should be a little more up to date. Yeah, I've been playing leagues, playing drafts, watching streams. So I've seen a lot of real magic with the set and I, I think we're definitely ready to talk about it. I don't think the format is 100% ready to be talked about yet. <laughs> yeah, we're still we're still pretty early on in the process. Standard is still in the everybody's trying crazy new things phase yeah. of what standard looks like after rotation. Definitely. Um, and I think that that'll probably exist even beyond Dallas this weekend a little bit. Kind of what happens with new sets and rotation in particular. I think people are still kind of like, you know, getting their feet wet with the limited format as well. We're transitioning from Aether Revolt to, or no, I got it mixed up. Hour of Devastation. Hour of Devastation. (laughs) Yeah, Hour of Devastation to a completely new set. So people are still kind of trying to figure this one out a little bit. Yeah, so I guess we should just talk about limited first because it's probably not going to take forever to talk about this. Sure. Yeah, just kind of like initial impressions. Played a couple of draft leagues, and I'm sure you have as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, what do you think so far? I I mean, I guess it's not good to just leave the elephant in the room. I don't (laughs) think we should talk about it. But yeah, so Twitter is kind of blowing up. Lots of pros airing their grievances with the set. I think I think Martin Yuza sort of kicked it off with a no-nonsense tweet saying that this is (laughs) the worst limited set of all time. (laughs) Right, yeah. I, I don't think I agree with that. I don't know. What what are you what do you think? I think that, you know, part of a part of the big deal is that we're transitioning from our, which was a super powerful set. Mm-hmm. Even in the limited context where like all of the cards were like above average power level, I think. Yeah. So I think that we we're kinda of transitioning back a little bit to quote unquote normal draft set where all there are bad cards in the set and that you're gonna have to play your Maybe your 20th through 23rd card are just cards that you really don't want to see as much. So I think that might be a little bit of a jarring transition for a lot of people. And I think that that people are kind of frustrated with how their decks are turning out or like what their pools are looking like or something like that. Yeah, and that seemed to be the primary complaint is that there's too many unplayable cards in the pack. There are mm-hmm. too many demystifies and five mana destroy target lands. And that yeah, sort of thing. right. And that was definitely my experience when drafting. I got to the point where there are like five cards left in the pack and they're all just garbage. Mm-hmm. Like things like destroy target land for five mana right. or kind of whatever's kind of floating around. So yeah, I, I, I definitely understand that perspective and that like you don't really want as many of those if mm-hmm. you're all of what you're looking for is like a good draft format. I mean, I get it to a certain extent, for sure. Yeah, and it's probably a little bit exacerbated by the fact that this is a tribal set. Yeah. So a bunch of the cards in the pack, even if they're in your colors, you know, if you're green-red dinosaurs, you can't take one in a green, put a plus-one-plus-one counter on a merfolk, put a plus-one-plus-one counter on a, on a creature. Right, yeah. There, yeah, there are definitely a lot of, like, archetype-specific cards that just really don't work well at all. If you're if you're red-green dinosaur ramp, then you love the three-mana 2-2 two, two that untaps the land. If you're not any sort of like ramp deck, then that card is very bad. Right, because that card's not even a merfolk, so the merfolk deck doesn't even want it for the body. So. Right, yeah. Like a 2-2 two, two for 3 is just 
you know, pretty bad. And the Merfolk deck is trying to curve out yeah. and have like a beatdown strategy. So yeah, definitely kind of a little bit of attention there. Some some th- stuff going on. Yeah, and we'll see how that plays out. I mean, I've been having fun with it. Hard to tell at this point if I'm just having fun because it's a new format or having fun because it's actively good. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. Like I've I've done a few drafts and I've already checked a bunch of uh, achievements off the list. Like, uh, yeah. So, like, what are some of those? All right. So I have these are these are mostly me getting destroyed in in achievement based ways. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so I've lost the dinosaur mirror by their Gishath going over the top of me. Excellent. <laughs> so I mean that was going to happen at some point. I didn't yeah. think it would happen in my second draft of the format. <laughs> I successfully played around settle the wreckage all game long, and then mm-hmm. at the last moment cast my pump spell at the wrong time to continue playing around settle the wreckage like okay. he bounced one of my guys to avoid lethal mm-hmm. and so i should have let i needed to let the bounce spell happen and then cast the, the pump spell to give me lethal to force the settle the wreckage uh... but i just stopped thinking about it and got blo- i had played around the settle the wreckage for maybe five turns yeah of attacking with half of my guys right, right, right. it was an unlosable game and yeah. i just you know clicked too fast and walked into it so right. he so he bounced your guy in response in response for some you reason pumped your other guy i gave my guy plus five plus five and trample and there was no and then reason. you lost all of them <laughs> and i just lost my board and then lost the game no okay yep, i yep, see yep. what else what other great things oh i missed on a commune with dinosaurs like hard missed had 14 dinosaurs in my deck oh no all non-dinosaur spells yep. with it when i needed yep. a land so you know we're getting there we're doing all the things and having all of the fun yeah but yeah i mean I've had fun. Like I've I've drafted dinosaurs. I've drafted merfolk. I've played against vampires, and all of the tribes seem to be seem to have a, an identity. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what you want out of the tribal set. They don't feel like little dudes and lords all over the place. They they each have a goal. You know, dinosaurs are ramping and hitting really hard. Pirates mm-hmm. are disrupting. Merfolk are curving out. Vampires are going wide. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely experienced the same thing. It to me, it, uh, the consensus that I've heard is that all of the tribes are relatively similar on power level. I agree. To, uh, I have yet to have a good experience with vampires, mm-hmm. however. Vampires, like that go-wide strategy, it feels like there aren't enough payoffs for right. going wide, from what I can tell. And maybe I'm just like drafting wrong or not prioritizing the right things, but I don't know, I have yet to kind of like be impressed by a vampire deck, and just like seeing it do its thing is just not really been that crazy to me so far yeah but i don't know maybe maybe that's just due to my limited experience so far but i don't know it's it's mostly the rares that have beaten me out of the vampire decks Mm -hmm. so sanctum seeker is obviously incredible the the legendary guy that gives you a vampire every time you attack with a non-token vampire right right that that sort of thing those things are good but yeah I, i agree that going wide there aren't huge payoffs for it there's the plus one plus one and untap your team but, you know, like the Fortify effect, the plus two plus Odal of your guys is in red, so it's yeah. a little tough to get really paid off. Which is interesting. Maybe you can splash for it. I don't know. Splashing in this format is interesting from what I've seen. There's a lot of treasure lying around. Yeah. So you, there are some decks that can just kind of like... Run anything. Run anything, which is interesting. And they, they don't even have to try that hard or like play cards that they wouldn't otherwise, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a weird dynamic. Maybe you can like splash some your powerful cards, and that kind of like helps with the not enough playables aspect. Sure, but and and that's just like something I haven't really tried out too much yet. Yeah, it's funny because green actually has a really difficult time splashing in this format. It doesn't have common fixers that right. that get you anything. Yeah. You know, commune you might get lucky and get what you need, but 
Sure. That's as close right. as you're getting at common. I mean, yeah, there's I, I like guess the, there's the enchant land. There's the enchant land, but outside of that, yeah, I, th- I think that you're right. Or there, there's also the the two two uncommon. Or the the two mana uncommon. It's a yeah. one one and aura three three. Depending right. on whether or not you have a dinosaur. Right, but at common, it's really just the enchant right. land, which is fine, but not something that all decks are are wanting to run the yeah. way that right, you know, right, for all sure. of the blue, black, and to a lesser extent, red decks have treasure cards that are available to them. Yeah, kind of still waiting to be impressed by the vampires but probably just to the fact that i i'm like drafting vampires when i shouldn't be or something like that i don't know yeah i, I guess that's the one that i haven't 100 percent cracked yet because like pirates is easy like you go over the top with guys that have flying right uh vampires yeah. it's hard because the games do the, there are a lot of board stalls that i've found in this format mm-hmm. um and vampires is pretty aggressive they are lower on the number of flying guys that they yeah. have uh, yeah i i tended to prioritize in my vampire drafts the enchantment or not not the enchantment the equipment that gives a guy flying really um okay. i i think that i've actually been a little more impressed with that card in the decks that stall out pretty easily just sure. because you need something to break through gotcha some sort of reach mechanic and i've been i've been playing that and have been generally impressed with it normally i i hate that kind of card mm-hmm. in limited but i just felt like it fit somehow yeah yeah i'm not I'm not too sure really yeah and i've actually seen the cutlass be pretty good in a vampire deck even mm-hmm. when you're not equipping it for free if you have three or four one one lifelink tokens and then each one you turn into a three two lifelinker and trade it off for something and gain some life yeah uh, that's sure. be really powerful Maybe something that has to be figured out is what exactly are the tools? Mm-hmm. How how does the vampire deck win its games most of the time? What I've found in general is that the format is definitely more synergy-based than yeah. based on the power level of individual cards. Um, definitely. As is to be expected from a tribal set. Right, right, right. But, you know, dinosaurs, if you ramp into them, are way more powerful than dinosaurs that are coming out on curve. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Merfolk are way more powerful if you are, you know... The three mana guy that puts a plus one plus one counter on two merfolk. If you go yeah, that guy's merfolk great, into that guy, sure. it's nuts. Mm-hmm. And you know, just stuff like the hexproof merfolk. Uh, there's multiple enchantments that you're happy to put on him. Uh, yeah, I've, I've actually been really impressed with that guy. Yeah. Just like putting two counters on him with the uh, the boon or the plus two plus two flying enchantment. Yep. Um, all of a sudden, he's just like this huge threat that your opponent is struggling to deal with. Yeah. So yeah. Definitely, definitely some places to go with that guy. He, he, like, on first glance, he looks very underwhelming. He does. If you just look at him, because he's like, all right, four mana for a 2-2, two, two, maybe he's a 3-3, three, three, you know, but that just kind of, like, is kind of whatever. But uh, I think just, like, given the given the synergies in the set, he's he's probably better than people are giving him credit for. Definitely. A couple of individual cards that I've been super impressed with. Uh, Conqueror's Galleon. My opponents have played that a couple of times, and I've just kind of looked at my. Is that hand the four six vigilant? No, that's the, that's the rare that turns into uh, conqueror's foothold. Oh, that's the flip. The, the, flip, the two five. Right. The the two ten. Or yeah, yeah, two ten. Yeah. Jeez. Right. 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 So I mean, even even if I'm like tempoing them relatively hard, as long as they can take one turn and attack with it, mm-hmm. if, if the game is going to go a few more turns, it's just felt really daunting to deal with so that right. card is is really good and even untaps itself so you can like cast a, a spell mm-hmm. after attacking with it so yeah that card has been has been really really good this is probably an obvious one but adanto vanguard the two mana one one vampire that gets plus two plus oh when it attacks and pay four life to give it indestructible 
Yes, um, that guy has been pretty great if you're on the aggressive end, for sure. Really hard to deal with. And actually, I think possibly standard playable. Maybe. It, yeah. Just it survives fumigates and stuff and mm-hmm. does a surprising amount of work in, in right. some games. I haven't played against it, but I've seen it on streams and it's it's seemed surprisingly powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that kind of like finds a shell somehow. I think the shell might not uh, be there yet. Right. But I think that and maybe the the Legion and Legion's landing. Landing. Yeah. yeah. I think those two cards are very good. Yeah, those are cards that I'm gonna keep an eye on moving forward. White Weenies is kind of like a deck that happens every once in a while we had humans a couple of standard ago mm-hmm. that was kind of like a white weenie strategy you know maybe we get enough pieces this time we'll see yeah it's a little tough and i think one of the biggest problems is actually the mana at least the vampire decks that i've seen the payoffs are really in black mm-hmm. um especially sanctum seeker is actually pretty powerful it has four toughness so you know it doesn't have the problem of being like a four drop that dies to lightning strike or something like that right and and it is really strong but it costs double black and the lands for the deck are really not exciting uh instead of having like it comes into play tap man land you just have a plain old comes into play tap land which is pretty awful right. for an aggro deck that, with a bunch of one drops in it so that may be what the deck really needs is some payoffs in white so it can go monocolored or something like that yeah i could definitely see that at some point for sure yeah, and then kind of transitioning, like the last thing that I want to talk about for limited is that color pairs are kind of like hard to figure out. They are. Beyond the obvious ones. Right. Like clearly you've got blue-green merfolk, yep. black-white vampires, red-green dinosaurs. Uh, pirates. Oh yeah. Um, are a little... It's either... Pirates are the toughest one to black, figure Black, red, or black, blue, I feel like in my experience. Yeah, the blue-red ones have not really... I mean, I've gotten beaten by one pretty badly, Uh but he had four water trap weavers, so I don't know if it was the pirates doing a lot of the heavy lifting there. Right, for sure. Um, But it feels like there's some, like, kind of oddball color combinations. Like, I drafted this blue-white deck, Mm -hmm. and I just had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Like, I ended up drafting, like, this, like, kind of, like, more value-y, controly evasive deck. I had a Settle the Wreckage, so I kind of, like, you know, tried to build my plan around that a little bit. Yeah. But beyond that, it just, like, didn't have a clear indication of what I'm supposed to be doing in the color pair. Yeah, well, and I think that the format is kind of built like that. If there's not a tribe connecting the two colors, it doesn't have a strong identity. You know the uncommon gold cards? There's not a blue-white one, mm-hmm. and there's not a green-black one. There right. are only ones for uh, the ones that are supported by tribes. Right. So maybe the idea is you're not really supposed to draft blue-white right. at all. Because yeah. you are which missing is, a lot of that. Which is interesting. you know, and, and I feel like you're going to be in some seats where the two open colors are blue and white. And yeah. then you're just going to be like, well, darn it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> this isn't yeah. great. And maybe the same for green-black. Like, green-black's got some explore synergies. I think that, you know... They... It's definitely the best lurking chupacabra colors. <laughs> right, yeah. If you want to play that card, then probably green-black is where you want to be. It, definitely a lot of things that we're still going to have to figure out about the limited format. Mainly because Nationals is coming up, right? Yep. And that's partly going to be draft. So Right, right. And every PPTQ in Germany, where I'm going to be, right. every single one is sealed. Oh, okay. So, I see. All right, well, you got to get your PPTQ grind on then. I'm just going to watch a bunch of Michael Jacobs and then... <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I am not nearly as down on this format as... No, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you there, is that, like, you know, it so far to me, it hasn't seemed bad, despite what a lot of people are saying on Twitter, but yeah, definitely different, and definitely maybe a little more difficult to kind of, like, get the gears working a little bit. And, and I kind of like having to figure out how to make 
cards work or a sh make a shallower pool into something rather than, you know, most formats you end up with 29, 30 playables and, mm -hmm. and you get to make a bunch of cuts and end up... And, and I, that may be what a lot of people prefer, but I think this is just a different experience of, you know, I got to scrape something together. I got to play some cards that might not be the best. How can I maximize their value? And right. that's, you know, just a slightly different game that I don't think is objectively or intrinsically worse. Right. Yeah, for sure. You just gotta try a little harder. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's all I've got for limited right now. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it's pretty safe to transition over to standard a little bit. I haven't done a lot of standard testing yet, but I have kind of like watched, been watching some streams and keeping my eye on what the 5-0 lists so far have looked like. Mm -hmm. And it seems relatively interesting. The, the deck that I've seen have the most 5-0s out of only like the three days. The only one that I saw, th there was one that I saw that was like two two of the same person had a 5-0 with a Pummeler deck, mm -hmm. which was interesting. And that was that green-blue Pummeler deck? Or was um, that only the one? It was, I think it was green-red. Okay. Yeah, it was It was pretty much exactly what the Pummeler decks used to look like. Okay. But there is a green-blue Pummeler deck that we're going to talk about. Okay, about excellent. <laughs> excellent. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that one, but this one was just like a whole bunch of four ofs, which included four fling. Right. Um, which was like a little more than normal. I think that two was the normal number before. And I think that that's a response to the number of Settle the Wreckages in the format. Oh, true. Yeah, that's interesting. The, and that that is another card that we should talk about um, yeah. that's been making a big impact. Definitely. Is that we were kind of thinking like, okay, white control decks are going to struggle from now on because they lost a lot of removal spells. But they just got this insane sweeper, effectively. Yeah, and um, I... You know, we, we thought this card would be good, but it's really it, working perfectly the way the decks need it to work. Uh, right, yeah. I've heard it called Path of God. <laughs> okay, that's, <laughs> that's solid. Um, yeah, except it's more like Plague Wind a lot, so... Oh, uh, right, yeah, it's... Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been, from what I can tell, very, very strong. And just fits in kind of perfectly with the blue-white approach decks, it, does. it seems like. Yeah, so right now, um, and I have played some leagues, but I've also you know, watch streams and paid attention to the 5-0 decks. Right now, it really feels like the pillars of the format are Teamer is everywhere. Played two leagues, and I think I played against Teamer six times. Yeah, Which made playing Mono Red not the most fun <laughs> thing in the world, but somehow I had a pretty solid record against it. Cool, so, okay. Um, and I'll talk about what I kind of did to make that feel good. For me, at least. I don't know if this is the way to definitely do it going forward. Right. So, Teamer is absolutely everywhere. Mono Red, there's a fair amount Mm -hmm. But somehow, like, like I, I didn't play very much today, but I played a lot yesterday. I played against it a few times. Uh, I watched several streams today. Nobody played against Mono Red. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, that's just a day-to-day -day thing, and I, I doubt that that is representative of anything having to do with the format. But I think Mono Red is getting to be a little less popular now than it has been at times. I, I think you're just you're still going to see a fair amount of Mono Red. You, you yeah. have to be ready for it. And then the Gear Hulk decks are really, they are a big part of the format. I think part of it is... And when you say the Gear Hulk decks, you mean the blue-white control decks? So blue, Or just the blue control decks? Yeah, the blue control decks, and they come in a couple of different flavors. I've seen some Grixis, I've seen straight blue-white, which I think is probably the best, just because the mana's strong, it's very consistent. Yeah. Um, and I've also seen some Esper. Settle the Wreckage is just great. Esper has access to, and Grixis as well, has access to uh, Vraska's Contempt. And these are just big upgrades to what Torrential Gearhulk is able to do. It gets yeah. to come down and get rid of a guy, which it it didn't really have access to before. I mean, Harness Lightning in the blue-red decks, but now not having to play red is really big because the mana is terrible in the blue-red deck, and it's just not 
where you want to be, I think. Right. But yeah, having access to these powerful four-mana removal spell instants as something you can flash back out of your graveyard after casting them once really puts these control decks in a good position against pretty much any of these decks that are running like four-mana creatures in them. So that's Teamer and any of the dinosaur decks or anything like that. So that's kind of where we're at as the basic, here are the big decks. I, I, I've seen some other random stuff. People are absolutely trying stuff out. You're not going to just play against these three decks. Um, there's some tokeny decks, both of the kind of vampire variety and of the anointed procession stripes. That's why I have four Rampaging Ferocidons in my sideboard in my mono-red deck, which okay, I'm, I'm actually right. pretty okay with. It's nice. been working out all right. Yeah. I've also seen various shades of token decks. and mm-hmm. Or not token decks, sorry, uh, of tempo decks. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So not quite as I envision them. Um, I haven't seen as much Jace as I kind of thought I would see. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, may- maybe it's a little bit of a miss, but we still got plenty of format to figure that out. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know you want to, for I sure. I do, I do. The tempo decks I've seen that have impressed me the most have been sort of Miracle Grow decks with uh, Deep Root Champion, the mm-hmm. one in a green whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Okay. They've seen pretty strong. They run lots of blossoming defenses and that sort of thing. Their gotcha. other win conditions are either Long Tusk Cubs or even going kind of deep with stuff like Cryptic Serpent or Enigma Drake. Interesting. Okay. So, and these are kind of like more Delvery strategies. Exactly. A little bit where they're playing like a lot of disruptive spells and then a cheap creature that is just trying to get there. Yeah. And they're, I think their place in the metagame is trying to punish the Gear Hulk decks. Yeah. Because we were saying, hey, these blue white Gear Hulk decks lost a lot of their removal. And they did. They're still there because Settle is very good. Mm-hmm. But what they lost was their really cheap interactive removal. So it's hard for them to get rid of guys very early in the game. So they are still soft to mono red, and then they're really soft to stuff like Spell Pierce and Negate, which is why Teamer is still part of the metagame, I think, because as long as it has Negate on a key turn, it can really punish these Gearhulk decks because they weren't interacting until turn four or so. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you can set up your lethal swing with two mana open for their settle, then... You know, there's just really not much that your opponent can do about it. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely seen those. And then the Pummeler decks. Uh, I actually just pulled up this blue-green Pummeler deck. Yeah, so this is more of a combo deck than an aggro deck. It's it's all in on killing them with yeah. the Pummeler. Yeah, four Trophy Mage to right. find your Pummeler. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's incredible. I like it a lot. Um, looking over this deck list, too, it feels like this is closer to infect that we've gotten in standard than mm-hmm. i think we've been in for a while yeah because you're playing your pummeler and more ways of finding your pummeler and then you're just playing a bunch of pump and so you the other card that this deck gained was dive down right which is the plus oh plus three hex proof and this card i feel like might as well just read as blue something gets hex proof um, yeah, the, the plus one plus three in this deck is not right. relevant. Yeah, it would be sweet if that synergized with Pummeler in some context, but yeah, it feels like it's just trying to you know protect the guy. Yeah. What's the, really interesting is we actually kind of had this spell already in Standard. We had, what was it, Turnicide from Shadows over Innistrad? Or from yeah. Eldritch Mood? One blue counter a spell that targets a permanent you control? Right, right. You know, it, it's not really like that it necessarily got anything in this format. I think it's more that there's a fair amount of decks in this format that are kind of soft to this strategy right now. Fair, yeah. This might just be kind of like a week one type deal Mm -hmm. of a deck that's just like inherently has a very good proactive game plan and is really punishing to the decks that are going to stumble around for a little bit. Yeah, and it is traditionally really good against Teamer, so 
like if if my opponent yeah. plays an ether hub into a tune on turn one and i have a pummeler in my hand i'm feeling really really good about how this game's gonna go right for sure you know the reason that that green red deck with the fling in it made a lot of sense to me is is because of settle the wreckage right yeah but that's another thing that makes putting blue in the deck make a lot of sense to me because you, you can have negate or spell pierce that actually does defend yeah. against that in that a way that's for sure although from what i've seen though he's got four spell pierce in the sideboard and no negates okay which is maybe an oversight? I don't know. Negate just seems like a great card to be able to put in this deck. It just seems like one of the main reasons to be blue if you've got creatures in your deck, I think. Right, right. Maybe, you know, a little more room to tune here, but... I definitely can't speak from a position of authority. This <laughs> right, deck. yeah, of course. Uh, the only... The deck that I can speak to a little bit right now is mono red in the current metagame yeah why don't you go ahead and talk about your you said you had kind of a unique build for I, that. so it's not really unique it's just focused is, okay. is really the only thing about it and it's right so it's not crazy at all i'm just very much trying to stick to one plan mm-hmm. which is i mean i'm running all 12 one drops uh, a lot of the builds that i've seen are really at eight um i think the 5-0 lists are at eight so i mean certainly clearly you can have success doing that yeah um i felt more comfortable being able to make lots of one drops and emptying my hand out as quickly as possible because I really like Hazaret against all of the decks in this format that are not specifically blue white approach. Yeah, and I'm less worried about blue white approach because your your matchup against them is is quite good, mm-hmm. anyways. Should Although be. one one game I did get uh, Slash of Talons. Uh, Ooh. My turn one Bomat Courier. All right, so, now we're talking. Okay. So, you know, they may have a surprise or two ready for you. That one caught me very much off guard. Yeah. <laughs> Planes, go. All right, attack. Oh, no, oh, my no. guy's dead. <laughs> that, that is literally what happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, I, I'm trying to maximize my hazard. It's really hard. Mostly, I've, I've never been comfortable with Mono Red's plans against Teamer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like the, all right, let's stack up some Glorybringers and maybe some Chandras and, and try to get there eventually. Especially now that they've got the Scarab God, taking the game to turn 7 or 8 or so and, and trying to get them at that point just feels like a terrible plan to me. Right. Um, and and I, I've seen all of the games where they don't cast the Scarab God, I usually see the Swamp or a, a, a Green-Black Land. Mm-hmm. So I I think that the Scarab God is present in most of the teamer decks that people are playing right now. I feel like that's true, yeah. And so I do not want to plan for the game to go to a point where I want to be casting Glorybringers or I want to be... Or I'm really invested in Chandra happening. Yeah, that makes sense. So what that means is I want as many one drops as possible, even in sideboard games, Mm -hmm. uh, because I want to put the pressure on. And I want to get cards out of my hand because I do not want Hazaret to be awkward in my games against Teamer. Right. I I just want it. So you're really trying to maximize Hazaret as much as you can. Because it is a very, very difficult problem for Teamer to solve. Unless they've gotten way ahead on mana or something like that by the time you draw it and are able to start Scarab Godding or something, you you usually put them in a pretty powerful bind. And so I, I want to be able to be at the four Hazarets and just be in good shape to Hazaret them, not sitting there with a Chandra's Defeat or a Glorybringer in my hand that I'm having trouble getting rid of. And and sometimes they do play a World of Ruturoso and then they play some energy sources and then they chump block you and, and you lose because you're not able to go big enough. Right. And that absolutely is a risk of the strategy. Yeah. But I think this is a way of embracing the strength of the deck and attacking sort of what people are doing, even in what I think is the worst matchup in Standard right now in Teamer. And I've felt relatively comfortable. One thing that I'm trying to figure out is whether or not I want to bring in the Rampaging Ferocidons. 
on crop crashers are sometimes good and sometimes terrible in the matchup and so i've been just subbing out my crashers for ferocidon sometimes interesting because it's very good against the world of virtuoso that's not in play yet yeah it's right. less good on the draw against world of virtuoso but on crop crasher is not great on the draw either yeah so it's 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 a tough determination for me to make there have been some games where i've played it and thought i think crasher would be slightly better in this spot but then i've won the games because they've been ones where i was winning anyways yeah frosadon has mostly seemed better in the games where i'm having a little bit of trouble and then it does a few points of damage to them and lets me get there right um so i mean my, my sideboard plan for teamer right now is pretty simple it's Take out the two Chandras, bring in the fourth Hazaret, uh, bring in one Glorybringer, sub out the Crashers for Ferocidons. Okay. Sometimes take out one Shock for Glorybringer, usually on the play, just because Shock is better on the draw. If you, like, miss a one-drop and it makes it possible to take down a, a Servant of the Conduit or something like that. Makes sense. Maybe not where we end up in this format, but it's right. where I felt most comfortable. Um, yeah. And having the 12 one-drops, I think, is where I like to be because of the amount of blue decks in the format. How has um, the addition of Lightning Strike just felt for you overall? <sighs> it's just huge. I'm not running any abrades in my main deck anymore. Gotcha. I'm just running the four Are you running strike. any flows anymore? That's not in standard. Oh, those rotated out. Okay, right. that was the replacement. Yeah, I, I probably it. would run one or two flows. Interesting. What I've seen is uh, Jim Davis running a Hungry Flames, which I kind of like. That's oh, uh, okay. from Kaladesh or Aether Revolt, two and a red, three to a creature, and two to its it's controller. It's like the expensive Searing Yeah, blood. yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's not an incredible card. It's not a card you want to draw a bunch of, mm -hmm. but, you know, killing, I mean, killing anything and dealing two to them is, is quite good. Right. So I, I don't hate that. I just don't really have space for it in my list, I feel like. I know he doesn't have any Chandras in his main deck. That's a little tough for me to swallow right now because there are a lot of turns where they pass with four mana up. If you don't have... Like, that's a tough thing to play a Hazoret into at that point. Right. Because Settle the Wreckage is so good against you anyways. Having access to a Chandra on that turn, though, gives you options. I, I had initially taken two Chandras out of the sideboard, but I think they're probably going to end up back in there so that I can... Because Hazard's pretty bad against the, the blue-white deck. It, yeah, it feels like it, for sure. Um, um, yeah, because it, it also kind of, like, punishes you... Like, sometimes you're playing against a blue counterspell deck and you are trying to, like, sandbag things for a certain turn mm -hmm. or something, and, the like... The existence of Hazaret in your deck is kind of contrary to that, where you are trying to curve out and be more mana efficient as possible. Yeah. So that's definitely like a disenergy, in addition to the fact that Hazaret just gets completely blown up by Settle the Wreckage. Yeah. So. Yep. And, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes Hazaret has probably just made me play better because I wasn't really supposed to play around anything because you're playing a red <laughs> sure. deck and you just got to get there. Right, yeah, yeah. But against the blue deck, I mean, you got to pick your spots. You have to force the counter spells on their glimmer turn. You have to try to catch them off guard somehow and that means sometimes not just playing every spell that you can on every turn right for sure but i do like red right now even given the amount of teamer in the format mm -hmm. because teamer. i mean has yeah if red can find a very solid plan against teamer then you know and it may just be that i'm having a good run against them mm -hmm. but at one point in the last format i felt really uncomfortable playing red against teamer and now you know, I'm not happy when my opponent starts out turn one a tune. Right. Because I don't think it's a, a positive matchup. Yeah. But I don't feel like, ugh, teamer again. It's, <laughs> right. it's just mostly that I would much rather they played a blue-white cycling land on turn one. Sure. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. 
Individual cards that we've been impressed by. The one that I do want to talk about is that's kind of new and flashy a little bit is Hostage Taker. Yeah, yeah. That card, I feel like, might have flown under the radar for a little bit at least. But I know, like, Brendan DeCandio was talking a lot about it on his stream mm -hmm. and testing it out in a bunch of different decks. The card is definitely powerful. Definitely very inherently powerful. Absolutely. But mm, the problem is that maybe the, we just haven't found the good shell for it yet. We're still kind of like looking for a deck that wants to play that card. Maybe Teamer Black would be a, a place to put it, but it's kind of hard to tell. It is. I mean, maybe something closer to like a Sultai deck. I mean, I think one of the keys is that it is the same colors as the Scarab God. Right. So you want to be a deck that's relatively Yeah, those two focused. seem like they are trying to do similar things yep. and play like a grindy long game. Right. And if they um, do, if your Hostage Shaker does end up in the graveyard and you get to bring it back with the Scarab God, it's disgusting. Yeah, that's pretty gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems like... Seems like that's one of the another one of the cards that like you know maybe we'll find a shell that really fits that. Yeah, and puts it over the top. I, I saw Brennan was playing it in a Grixis improvised deck, mm -hmm. um, and it looked pretty good there. You know, the deck is sort of a a tempo-y deck that benefits from the things that Hostage Taker is doing, and the deck mm -hmm. does have Scarab God in it, even yeah. though it's not an improvised card, just because Scarab God is nuts. I feel like, though, the one thing he might have been having trouble with is that he kept on trying to build the decks specifically for that card. Mm -hmm. Like, he, he had it in, like, Pirates, and then he had it in, like, a Grixis improvised deck. But I think that that card is just, like, inherently powerful enough that it can just, like, fit in, like, a solid mid-range shell. Yeah. And... And then that'll just be fine. Yeah. Um, it kind of feels like a Gonti almost, where it's like, this card is just inherently very strong, and you can just like have it be that kind of extra value card. Yeah, you need definitely. It to be. So. Um, and one of the things that I think is working in its favor that we didn't necessarily foresee is I feel like there's quite a bit fewer glory bringers than there, there has been yeah. in the past in Standard. Right you're a lot less likely to play your hostage taker and have them untap and play a glory bringer and get their guy right back. Yeah, right. Just because the that card is just a little less well-positioned right now, I think, maybe. Or or maybe it's just kind of being overshadowed by Scarab Gods in, in some Yeah, like it, it's really tough for your five to be glory bringer if their five is Scarab God. You're, yeah. you're going to lose that fight every time. Right, right. Seems like it, for sure. Still a lot of things to find out about what's going on. Yeah, I mean, just a couple other things that have been neat. So I, I watched a stream. I don't know if you know the, uh, the streamer, uh, Sandball. He's, I don't know, picking up some viewers. Uh, he's not like a, a well-known pro, but he's actually got a stream that I really, really enjoy watching. He does a good job of engaging with his audience and plays pretty well. But So he was playing a very silly deck with Marionette Master. Okay. Which is four black-black. Yeah, like a yeah. one-three with improvised three, mm -hmm. and whenever an artifact dies... Or whenever an artifact you control dies, your opponent loses life equal to its power. Right. So he's playing that in uh, an Esper control shell with Tezzeret's, which mostly seemed not great, but with, what's it called? The five mana counterspell, the, the mana drain. Oh yeah, okay. Which actually looked incredible against a lot of the control decks. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and I think it might be just because they weren't expecting it at all, mm -hmm. but... You know, one of the things that these approach decks do in the control mirrors is on turn seven, they cast their approach. Right. Because it doesn't matter if it gets countered. You just want to cast it the, fir the first time, and then you've got the threat of a seven mana spell that wins the game at any point in the right. game. Yeah. But that's really bad to do if your opponent can get seven treasures 
if they've got five mana up and they counter it and get seven treasures, yeah. then they've just got a huge mana advantage for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the way this deck exploited that was by then untapping Slamming Marionette Master and killing you <laughs> immediately. Right. Which, you know, may be legitimate, may not be. Yeah, because that's just, you just put the, the plus one plus one counters on it, and then that's infinite damage. Yeah, it's just 28 life that they lose. <laughs> cool. Um, so... I, I don't know if that's a deck that ends up being a real deck. Probably not, because probably at that point... Well, I mean, people... yeah, the play pattern of, like, you know, turn five, counter your five drop, untap, slam the six drop, sack yeah. all my things. Yeah. It's not a bad play pattern. Seems pretty good. But you even, know? even outside that, Bell Swindle is the name of the card. It just seemed really decent in these control matchups. If you yeah. catch anything yeah, just with it... Kind of like looking at that, in it's, it's a mana drain effectively yeah. that gives you a lot of flexibility with using that mana right you just aren't gonna lose these counter wars based on mana you're gonna get to do the things you want to do at that right. point yeah kind of like the, the control mirror 101 is make your land drops yep. get ahead on mana and if you're ahead on mana then you'll be able to bully your opponent out and yeah i mean if you're resolving that on maybe even just like you're on the play and you go land five pass and your opponent goes glimmer and you snap that off on it, now you're just like plus four mana for a little bit, yep. then wow, that seems pretty powerful. Right, and and those you know those treasures last forever. They stick around until you need the mana, which means you can just slam the Scarab God in your turn right. and still have mana up for counters without like investing anything else and having that mana. If they don't play anything that needs to be countered, then you still will have those treasures later. So it's, it's pretty powerful looking. Um, the other thing he had that looked... In, like, like his deck looked incredible in the approach matchup. Mm-hmm. It was just a control deck that was kind of crushing the other control deck on pretty much every access. Cool. He also had Treasure Map. Okay. Which, just on turn two, it like the game seemed unlosable at that point. Yeah, because you're... scrying every turn, he never missed a land drop, ended up getting lots of counters in his hand, and then... Interesting. Okay. It was just way too powerful in the control matchup. It looked unbeatable. Nice. That's where you want to be. <laughs> That's where you want to be. You have, and, yeah. and even later in the game, it's a two-mana threat that they look at the fact that you're casting it and think, holy crap, that two-mana card is going to kill me if this mm-hmm. game goes five more turns. Right. Yeah. Which it's gonna. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if the approach deck becomes a huge part of the metagame and you want to play a control deck that's good against it, then these this may be a sort of place to look at for inspiration. Treasure Map looks really good. Yeah. And Spell Swindle looked very powerful. Whether or not you are Marionette Mastering or Tesseretting with that, you know, sure. I'm not yeah. sure. But or those or cards... like neither, you know. It, it might just be that that card is like a control mirror right. breaker in and of itself. Right, that's what I mean. Um, you may not want that artifact stuff at all. You may just yeah. want this mana drain thing and this treasure map because right. they're good cards. Like if anybody's casting any five drops ever... Then and you're running Marionette Master and the uh, uh, what's the mana drain called? A uh, spell swindle. Spell yeah. swindle. Yeah, yeah. I mean that just seems hilariously powerful to me. It's uh, also a hell of a card to turn to Gear Hulk back. Yes, right. So, yeah. which, which is kind of the theme of this standard so far is that Tarantula Gear Hulk has a lot of new toys to play with, mm-hmm. um, and they're very powerful four and five mana spells, which means that you know you got a a two mana five six. Or one mana five six right, that costs right. you zero cards effectively, which is very powerful. Seems pretty sweet. Yep. As I said, um, rampaging Ferocidon, I've been pretty 
pleased with having access to. Okay. Um, I'm still going back and forth on how valuable it is in the teamer matchup, but we're still in a place where people are doing weird stuff with tokens and life gain cards and that sort of thing. And it's a, a that's what, just yeah, a just, card that you kind of want to have access to. Yeah. Sure. Instead of automatically losing to the decks that go turn one Legion's landing, <laughs> you can play this and all yeah. the cards start looking pretty bad. Right. Um, so I like that. Also, menace is really good with the number of instant speed removal spells that we're running. Main deck, you, I've got four shocks and four lightning strikes, and then after board, I might bring in a couple of abrades. It becomes really difficult to effectively block a three-three menace. Yeah. When you know that they have instant. Yeah, the body removal. just seems very, very playable for yeah. sure. Yeah. So it, it's been surprisingly threatening on board. Yeah. The other card that I am, I haven't heard any from yet, but I've kind of like seen some rumblings here and there mm-hmm. is the the one three for two that has the hushwing and griff ability. Creatures entering the battlefield don't cause oh, triggers right. to happen. Okay. Seems like that might have a lot of uh, a lot of utility throughout standard at least right now. Like it really really hoses teamer. It does. And is just like a decent body against mono red. It's a 1/3. Right. And you can't make it not block with your Earthshaker Kenra. That's true. <laughs> you know, that that might be an interesting sideboard in like some white deck that wants to play a body at some point, but yeah, it would it would it, want to be it, one of these white decks that's not have running four fumigates in it probably. Right. Yeah. Something right. more. I feel creature-y. like at least currently none of the white decks that exist in standard want that effect. Mm-hmm. But it's just something to keep your eye on, kind of moving forward. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, it even shuts down. You don't want it that much against the control decks, but it even shuts down torrential gear hulk. So. Mm. Right. Yeah. Probably not where you want to be though in that yeah, matchup. Probably, yeah, probably not playing a 1-3, but you know, maybe. Maybe it'll maybe it'll find a shell that, that just it fits well in um, at some point in the future. Yeah. So Yeah, we'll see. That's interesting. Oh, what else was I thinking? Oh yeah, so we should probably talk about dinosaurs a little bit, just because it was one of the things that has gotten really hyped oh, the, up. Yeah, the just like a standard deck dinosaurs. Yeah, mm-hmm. or individual dinosaurs in standard decks. Funny not even a story, just funny how the how magic works. Yeah. Apparently, Carnage Tyrant was thirty ticks when the set came out. Oh right, yeah, just because that was like the first deck that everybody wanted to get their hands on. Yep, yep, yep. and it's down to like like fourteen or fifteen now. Two days later, mm-hmm. so I mean, not unexpected, but I don't think it's gonna stay at that even. I, I think it's where we said it was, which is it's a pretty decent sideboard card. But it's not even that good against the current builds of the control decks because their answers to big, dumb green creature decks are Fumigate and Settle the Wreckage, which have no problem dealing with Carnage Tyrant. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Carnage Tyrant, just like not exactly the end all be all answer against the control decks if they're just running Settle the Wreckage. No, definitely which not. Is pretty silly. <laughs> it, it just got very shut down by its own set, pretty much. Yeah. And the dinosaur decks in general. Just don't seem to be there at the moment. Mm-hmm. The only deck that I've seen that has seemed like it was doing anything remotely powerful was just the basic kind of obvious red-green deck that's just Odapec Huntmasters and the two-mana guy that becomes a 3-3. Yeah. And then a bunch of Regisaur Alphas, Ripjaw Raptors. Yeah, just nothing fancy, just trying to ramp into big dinosaurs that kill you quick. Yep, yep, just big efficient guys. But, you know, it really looked very bad against the control decks. Yeah, and right. like none of its creatures do anything particularly good against the control decks, and you no longer have tireless tracker to kind of like lean back on, yeah. on like some way of guaranteeing value or something like that. So yeah, seems seems like it's probably not in the best spot at the moment. 
kind of the best thing that they're doing early on is Death Gorge Scavenger to like eat the graveyard and make Tarantula Gear Hulks way less scary, which right. is a thing. Yeah, but just kind of not the angle that you want to be no. attacking a control deck on. No, like like the games that I've seen, mostly the control deck gets to about 12, maybe 10 life, and then kills all their guys, and then just ends up countering guys from there on, and then plays an approach, and then plays another right. one. Yeah. And it, it it just feels like... Like, the things that the Dinosaur's deck has to do to not get destroyed by Fumigate and, and removal spells... They have to do things like bring in Shaper Sanctuary and bring in the one in a green, your creatures are indestructible and gain hexproof until end of turn. Yeah. Um, and I don't think those are bad cards. I actually like Shaper Sanctuary quite a bit as a sideboard card. Right, right. But the deck is just gimping itself, and then it, yeah. it, it's playing this game where it's protecting creatures that are not doing anything really powerful in that game. Right. And then, you know, if, if you're, like, counting on your Shaper Sanctuary to, to like, get you right there on card advantage, and then your opponent just, like, settle the wreckage as you, yeah. then what are you doing, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, it just feels awful. Yeah. Yikes. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm not not excited about the current builds mm-hmm. of Dinosaur decks so far, and Carnage Tyrant does not solve its problem with the control decks, and it doesn't have a great solution to a big bristling Hydra either. Yeah. So... Right. A just bigger not, hexproof threat sometimes is just kind of silly to see across the table. And so I'm just not not quite seeing what the dinosaur deck wants to be in current standard. I think the things that are happening around it are mostly things that are happening at an angle that it can't effectively deal with. Mm-hmm. It's pretty decent against Mono Red because it's hard for Mono Red to rin- win through a Regisaur Alpha. Yes. But other than right. that, you know, it's got it's not there yet. Yeah. Kind of sad. I was kind of hoping that that would... <laughs> and me and everybody else, I feel yeah, like, was absolutely. hoping that, you know, that deck would just kind of be a bust-out deck of the new new standard, but looks like probably not. Not yet, at least. Right. And, we'll see what happens think, in Dallas. I think that Carnage Tyrant is going to drop to, like, eight or nine tickets in it before yeah. before it settles down, and, and then, you know, people are just going to chill on that for a minute. Yeah, for sure. What did the uh, did the paper price kind of keep up with that at all, or is that just kind of all Ooh, Magic know. Online? Let's, let's see the price history. Because yeah, I mean, I know that like for Magic Online, Magic Online has this like weird thing where the set comes out and then everybody rushes in and tries to buy all the cards that they're looking for. Right, because the cards don't even exist yet. Right. Yeah. Just like even in paper, uh, you just don't have access to them yet. So. It'd be interesting to see kind of what that looks like. Yeah, it looks like Carnage Tyrant is around 30 in paper and has been for a little while. Oh, interesting. Okay. But I don't think that'll last. Yeah, that seems like it's just not going to be the case for a while. (laughs) Michael Jacobs on stream was communicating his thoughts on Carnage Tyrant in the most Michael Jacobs way possible by bringing up in Magic Online in his collection Carnage Tyrant next to Colossal Great Maw because they're in alphabetical order and it's they're located directly next to each other which is colossal great maw is the four and a green green six six trample at common and he says boy it was really nice of wizards to put these two cards next to each other so you can know that this card which is the same card as this card is also not standard playable (laughs) um which may be a little stronger than i feel about the card but i do mostly agree yeah you know we talked about it as a decent sideboard option depending on how the control decks play out and I think that's where where it ends up being. I don't think it's something you want in all of your dinosaur decks, which apparently is where the discussion went on Carnage Tyrant. Right. Yeah. Is that it, it was like a four it. of or something like that? Yeah. Probably not not close to there. No. So. Oh well. Rest in peace, little Carnage Tyrant. Yeah, we'll be back. 
Yeah, but, I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll find a spot. But like, he's in the same set as Settle the Wreckage. As Settle the so Wreckage. It's, it's not like one of the things is going to rotate out before he does. <laughs> right, and I mean that's. I think Settle the Wreckage is going to be a very format defining card. Yeah, definitely. It seems like the one card that is just kind of like proven itself already to be just immediately very very powerful. And, and it may lose some ground at some point in the future when you don't have Gear Hulk to to really make them never able to attack again. But you already couldn't attack into a Gear Hulk most of the time, so I don't know that that's really right, what's giving yeah. Settle its power. I mean, the card has just impressed me on all levels. I mean, the fact that it's an instant just synergizes so well with Gear Hulk, yeah. just in and of itself, that seems pretty pretty solid. Yeah, you can't even go wide knowing that they're going to Gear Hulk you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just an instant speed. It's, it's pretty brutal, uh, and it's very powerful. I don't know if there's some way to exploit the fact that you get to pull a bunch of lands out of your deck. You know, red makes it a little bit easier to sacrifice an extra desert or something like that. But if we had demon fire in this format, that would be a really interesting thing, but we don't. Right. So I don't know what you can pump that mana into. Like yeah, the, I'm not sure. The card just doesn't seem to have a huge weakness to me. At the point where you're pathing three of their guys, you know, you're saying, I don't care how much mana you have because that's not the game we're right. playing. Yeah, exactly. Just like that into later on, like, approach. It doesn't matter how many dudes you're going to be able to put back on the board if you, like, can't kill me this turn. Right. So, you know. Yep. Uh, and, and and they're just, like, playing the value game of, like, you know, trying to answer your creatures instead of, like, bouncing them or something like that. So Right. Um, and I think maybe the place to attack these control decks from, uh, and I think it's one of the reasons that Teamer is so popular right now, is that having negates yeah. just shuts them down. Their answers are very expensive. They yeah. really start at settle the wreckage, and before that they're doing things to set up their draws and cycling and that, and maybe playing like a search for Ascanta or something like that. Yeah. So if you can spell pierce or negate the first relevant spell that they play, then you're probably going to win. Yeah, definitely seems... Seems like something like that just is probably going to be where you're going to want to be. So, although I did just kind of pull up the blue white decks that have posted five O's so far, and they're either playing zero or two settled wreckage at the moment, mm-hmm. which seems like they were maybe trying it out. And I think that they might realize that it's just very good and want to increase that number. Yeah. So, and, and this one does have two slash of talons in it too. So, yeah, I guess it's a thing. Definitely watch out for slash of talons. Yeah, and Ether Meltdown is one that I've seen. The The cheap white removal has been mostly replaced with Ether Meltdowns. That's just the closest thing that they have to a two-mana removal spell. And yeah. it's, for its purposes, it, it works just fine. Definitely seems seems pretty fine, for sure. But I think even, you know, even your opponent having to settle their wreckages in their deck, it, it, it just makes it that much more difficult to be attacking with, you know, four-mana creatures without backing that up with negates or something like that. Right, yeah. Or just, like, even multiple creatures. Like, you know, at what point do you kind of, like, have to sigh and then only attack with one dude Mm -hmm. or something like that? Right, and I mean, that may be one of the reasons to only be at two settle the wreckage. Mm -hmm. You want to threaten it, but if they're going to play around it, no matter. matter. Right, right. Like, not having it and then having them attack with one of their bristling hydras. Or then just, like, have that happen and then fumigate, like, the next turn is pretty silly. Yeah. Like, having access to both is pretty cool. This one with three Hour of Revelation, I'm not totally sure that I understand. I mean, I guess it's just the other Wrath available in the format, but that seems kind of difficult to cast in a timely manner. Yeah, six mana, destroy all non-land permanents. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Probably, maybe maybe this person just like liked a certain number of sweepers. Did we lose uh, Descend Upon the Sinful? We did, yeah. Yeah, so um, maybe that was kind of like their their answer to that. Yeah, so, very possible. Know. It does mean that you cannot, and, and, and this person is correctly not running cast out with Hour of Revelation. Yes, right, 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 for sure. I don't love not running cast out, I guess. I, I just think that card's pretty decent right now. Yeah, I feel like you're probably pretty soft to... Um, planeswalkers. Planeswalkers. But, I mean, you know, maybe maybe the Hour of Revelation that's true. is an answer to that. So. That's, that's fair. I mean, yeah. that, that does solve the same sort of problems that cast right. I, I guess yep. you have the choice between the two, really. Yep. Um, and I guess wanting more rats may be a thing. That makes sense if people are running... You know, if your Fumigate gets countered, but you aren't immediately dead, and then you can Hour of Revelation, then that's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm definitely not an authority on control decks, so I, I wouldn't be able to be confident in my answer on that quite yet. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see where people take things. Yeah, definitely. I I do kind of want to give this Pummeler deck a shot, whether it's... The blue-green Pummeler yeah, deck? Yeah. Just, I, and I one thing that I like about it is the... Four trophy mages, and it's also got Ether Sphere Harvester, which I think is a much better sideboard card against mm-hmm. Mono Red now because you know I'm not running the any fewer braids. braids. I think most sure. people aren't running a braids, yeah. or at least have cut back a lot on them, uh, and, and that just makes Ether Sphere Harvester kind of a huge trump card in that matchup. Yeah, yeah, seems like it. And you know, being able to run four more of those just kind of like out of your main deck seems. Yeah, and, and I mean, Trophy Mage gives you the body already to crew it, and it's, it's just a very efficient Perfect. package. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Although, you may be setting yourself up for getting run over a little bit if you're planning on playing a 3-mana 2-2 two, two into that. Right. And then right. just, like, hoping to survive. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you're hoping to get that Serpent of the Conduit down on turn 2 that then lets you sort of have a little more freedom sure. with the, the spells that you're playing. Because then you can hold up like a you know a trick of some sort or something yeah. like that. Yeah. This this deck also has notably four Woodweaver's Puzzle Knots in it, which... Ah, talk much, about gaining life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of difficult to kill you through that. That's um, hilarious. You know, just another reason to yeah. run Rampaging Ferocidon, though. Uh, true. <laughs> yes. I see that uh, you've you've moved on from your your pet, which was earlier uh, the new Jace. Yep, uh, I'm, I'm a dinosaur man now. Yeah, all right, I see. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I don't know these. I mean, if we're in a meta where people are running lots of sell all the wreckages and lots of fumigates and lots of gear Hulk decks, mm-hmm. then I am much more comfortable running a sort of blue tempo deck. And yeah. all the ones that I've seen have been really based on this like miracle grow sort of strategy. I can definitely see Jace having a place in that. I see. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I don't know if that's a Heart of Kieran sort of thing. I mean, I don't know. This meta seems kind of open to Heart of Kieran. Heart of Kieran has always been pretty decent against Teamer if they don't, if they're not able to leave up the Harness Lightning all the time. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the uh, the double Oath of Gideon, Jace Infinite combo to come out. <laughs> oh well, Oath of Gideon is uh, uh, not legendary. In standard anymore, and uh, also legendary, but also oh, not in standard. Double wrecked. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a kind of long road remembering cards that you want to play, but yeah. then remembering that they're finally not in standard anymore. <laughs> That's a shame. That's a shame. Oh well. All right. Well, and any more closing thoughts on on standard? Um, I think that we've covered pretty much everything that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, chart a course. Just in these tempo decks, 
Charter Course has been really, really good. I think. Oh, I see. Totally yeah. legit. Um, People have, as well have been talking about playing Charter Course in Legacy. Yeah. Um, uh, Legacy Delver. That uh, makes sense just you know as just a draw to yep seems like a strong thing to be playing the problem is though in my mind is that you want to be playing that in like the more like grindy legacy matchups mm-hmm. and those grindy matchups tend to run a lot of rule spells so maybe getting that attack in is going to be harder yeah um not only if do people are of... like unaware and just like let you attack with your delver and then kill it, then you might get some equity there. But legacy players are smart. I think they'll catch on. Yeah, I think we're getting to a point. Like, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. If that becomes a thing, then that's never going to happen. Right. Also, you know, like I've I've seen this in in the limited format. Like people have started killing my guys before attacks. Yeah. When right. They might yeah. have at one point waited. Although I guess most of the players that are figuring that out wouldn't have, like, waited for no reason anyways. You know, that's one of the things you learn is cast your instant speed removal spells at sorcery speed when you're just definitely going to kill that dangerous guy on the other side, so. Yeah, for sure. Too many things can go wrong. Yep, yep. Also, like, one of the things that kind of squeaks me out about charted courses in those grindy matchups, there's a lot of wastelanding going on, Mm -hmm. which... You know, kind of hard to get up to two mana. Yeah, at, at a very specific time, the right. turn after you attack, the turn you attack with a guy yeah. for the first time. Which yeah, is... I mean, right. If if you're playing like a Delver Mirror and you play your turn one Delver and you connect with it on turn two, and then you're resolving a two mana spell, then you've just already won that game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's just not how it goes. Every yeah. Delver screenshot has you know four lands in the graveyard. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So pretty hilarious, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, definitely possible. You know, like, Knight's Whisper has been legacy playable at, at different times. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Charter Course, you know, is, a, is is legitimately in the conversation. Um, but I also do definitely like it in Standard. It's the games that I've seen it, It's it's been really, really good. And even right. when you're not going off with it, in Standard, two mana, draw two, discard a card. Yeah, a lot of times is really good. Because mana flood is a thing that happens in this Standard. And there aren't a ton of ways to mitigate it. Yeah. And, and this is one of those ways. Yeah, Seem- yeah, definitely seems like it. So, right, I think that that card is definitely going to be working really well in whatever blue-green tempo shell comes out mm-hmm. with, like, maybe Long Tusk Cubs and the new 2-mana 1-1 one, one that gets bigger every time you cast a spell. Yeah, um, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I also don't hate it in, like, Teamer, potentially. But maybe, yeah. You're attacking with dudes a lot in that deck, so. Yep. And that deck gets flooded that's the main thing i hate about playing teamer is when you draw two more lands than you wanted to draw yeah for sure for sure yeah definitely definitely some more utility there cool well i mean standard is very young it's you know that these are the things that i know about standard but it's definitely going to progress from here so i don't have a ton more to say because there's just a lot more to learn um that i don't think anybody knows yet but that's that's pretty much all i know so far yeah I feel like I say this a lot, but I'm excited to see what people do with it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of exploring to do right now. Um, I'm really liking duresses in this format. I'm not playing a deck right now where I can play duress, but boy, right. I would really like to be. Yes. So yeah. that's that's one thing to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah, it gets good against the control decks mm-hmm. and just kind of like a lot of matchups where you just want to be able to do that effect, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So... Cool. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, I think that's about it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you want to catch us outside of the show, we've got a Twitter account at MTG underscore Grindcast, where I'm going to try to be 
posting some more things. Uh, and Collins also has a Twitter. Uh, yeah, at Collins Mullen. Hit us up. Like, we don't mind questions about the show, about magic, about, you know, if you're, like, having problems with your girlfriend. <laughs> like, I'll do my best. Yeah, but... we'll, we'll, we'll be there for you, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, and hopefully we will have more Sweet Standard stuff next week. Awesome. See you guys next week.